So we're uh, in a series on the one another's, and today's one another is, is a toughie. It's a difficult one. It um, comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 18, which says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. At least it says, as if it is possible, as far as it depends. But that is a quite, quite a phrase, to live in peace with everyone. It has a lot to do with forgiveness, granting of forgiveness, accepting of forgiveness. Um, I can remember it like it was yesterday, but it was a long time ago, probably almost 30 years ago. I was sitting in uh, at Rolling Hills Covenant, Saturday night service with a bunch of my friends like we usually do, uh, sitting there waiting for the service to start, and then she walked in with him. She was, we'll just call her Julie, a girl that I dated for about six months. He was her ex-boyfriend who she had broken up with to be with me, college boyfriend who didn't know Jesus, and she had come and been a part of our group, a young life leader with us, and we had started a date, but then... Went back for a reunion, met him up with him again, and now she was back dating him because he had supposedly become a Christian. And I could not believe that she would have the audacity of bringing him to my church service. But there she was, walking in with him, walking in and sitting with my friends over there who I'd brought her into this group. We'll get to that. And then, and then I look at the program. And we're going to be talking about, in the program there at Rolling Hills Covenant, Matthew 18, the unmerciful servant. If you know this parable, it's one that Jesus tells after Peter asks, hey, how many times do I need to forgive somebody? Jesus goes into this parable about a king who brings his servants in and he's going to uh, kind of finalize all their debts to him. And there's this one servant that comes in and owes, basically, it is an unbelievable amount of money this person owes. It's millions and millions of dollars. And the servant goes, I, I can't pay it back. And he says, well, we're going to throw you into prison then until you can pay it back. And he begs, please forgive me. And the, and the king forgives him of his debt, millions and millions of dollars and lets him go. And the servant goes, oh, thank you so much. But then the servant goes to a fellow servant who owes him a few dollars and says, pay me back what you owe me. And the servant goes, I, I, I don't have the money. He goes, well, throw him into prison until he can pay what he owes me. The other servants are taken back by this. They can't believe that after this man had experienced so much grace and forgiveness from the king that he would now throw this man back into prison. So they go back to the king and say, hey, did you hear what happened? And so the, the king goes to the first servant that he had forgiven and says, I can't believe that you would do this. Throw him into prison until he can pay everything back. And then Jesus concludes this parable with this phrase. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So I'm sitting there in church, and I know this is what they're going to talk about and listen to it, and I go, I know the next week I've got to call up Julie and say, hey, we need to get together. 
And it was a very awkward conversation, but I, and, and it's kind of weird, right? So I'm, I forgive you. What am I forgiving her for? For breaking up for me? It's her choice. She can do it. But forgive me for the hurt that you caused me, whatever. But we had this conversation. And as you so rightly pointed out, <laughs> maybe there's still something there. Did we really experience peace? Did I really have a peace in my heart, a peace towards her? A peace, what? So that's what we're looking at today. What does it mean to really experience peace, and how does forgiveness fit into this? Peace comes in the, Old, in the New Testament and the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's a word that's very well known. It's called shalom. It's a very rich word. Very, very rich. It, it, it's... Um, it means wholeness and health and security and total well-being and salvation. So this, whenever you would wish peace to somebody else, it was a really deep thing you were welcoming and wishing on this person. The secular Greek word in time of Jesus' time, it was much more about just an absence of warfare was kind of the thinking back then of the secular Greeks. But the New Testament writers brought in this Old Testament thoughts about what it meant, and combined it into when they talk about peace in the New Testament, it's much more than just the absence of warfare, freedom from conflict. It, it is more of this wholeness and this total well-being that you're desiring to experience and for someone else to desire. One of the great truths of the New Testament, one of the great truths that Jesus brought is this, we have peace with God. And this is where I believe we have to start. Before we can ever think about experiencing peace with others, we have to realize that we first and foremost experience peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to the 3, 1 to 2. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. A few verses past this, he'll say that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That we have experienced God's forgiveness in our life. That because of what we will celebrate a little later on with communion, what Christ has done on the cross for us, we have peace with God. And Paul says that we stand in grace. We don't stand in our own works. We stand in grace. And we are to enjoy this peace which God gives us through Christ's work on the cross. Do you know you have peace with God? Do you realize that that's one of the main truths? One of the questions that you might ask yourself is, uh, when you think of God and your relationship with him, what do you think he thinks of you? Is he disappointed? Is he keeping track of everything you've done wrong and going to throw it in your face later on? No, this says that we have been justified through faith and we have peace with God. You know, this week in the um, study guides as leading up to this message, we looked at a couple different really interesting passages. And one of them was Jeremiah 31, verse 34. And here's what the prophet says. 
No longer, this is the Lord speaking, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. What a great statement. Uh, Brendan Manning, who's a Christian speaker and writer, tells in a, a story, wrote this in his book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. He tells a true story about a Catholic woman who reportedly had visions of Jesus. And the bishop in that area heard about it and was a little concerned about these visions she was having, so he had a meeting with her. And he said, um, is it true, man, that you have visions of Jesus? Uh, yes. Well, the next time you have a vision, I want you to ask Jesus to tell you all the sins I confessed at my last confession. And the woman was stunned. Did I hear you right, Bishop? You actually want me to ask Jesus to tell me the sins of your past. Exactly. Call me if anything happens. So 10 days later, he gets a call from her. I had a vision. So they met up. The archbishop heard back from the lady and he said to her, did you do what I asked? Yes, Bishop. I asked Jesus to tell me the sins you confessed in your last confession. The bishop leaned forward with anticipation. His eyes narrowed. What did Jesus say? Bishop, she replied, these are his exact words. I can't remember. Isn't that great? Because I think a lot of times we really go through life thinking that God is keeping track Every sin, everything we fall short on, every time we fall short of what he wants us to do or be. And yet the truth of the cross, the truth of Jesus' blood is that that has been forgiven and forgotten by God. We still experience consequences for our sin, natural consequences for our sins, but God sees us as one who stands in grace. And because of that grace, we experience God's peace in our life. Now, that's from God's side, right? We, can, we, he, we have peace from God. But oftentimes, we struggle from our side, and we don't have peace with God because of what we're going through. Right? We all go through difficulties, whether it uh, could be uh, health issues, it could be uh, relational struggles, it could be all sorts of stuff. And we get, is this okay? We get angry with God. We, so there's not peace from our side towards God. We're, we're really kind of angry at what he's doing and the way he's kind of leading this life. And we're not really, and so it's okay. And, and we get kind of angry. And, and here's the other truth from scripture is that through prayer, we can experience peace in our own souls. Because here's the truth. If the God that we read about in Scripture really is, our, is God, it is all right to express how you're feeling towards him. He, he is more than able to take our complaints and our questions. The Scriptures that we read, especially in the Old and the New Testaments, there's men and women there who have struggled with what is going on in their lives, and they don't understand why. And it's okay to be honest 
It's okay to be raw with God. It's, it's encouraged to be respectful of God. But to go before your Lord and say, I don't understand why this is happening. I, I'm not very pleased, Lord, with how this is going. It is all right to do that and to live that way. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes about this. And here's what I've heard as I've, as I've prayed about this, because we all go through times where it's like, Lord, I don't understand this. And this, and this may not be um, very satisfying, but here's what I hear from the Lord. Whenever I'm honest, whenever I'm raw, whenever I'm, I don't, is, okay, I'm God and you're not, Don. I'm the potter, you're the clay. You don't see the big picture. You don't fully understand eternity. You have to trust me in this and continue to follow and do what I say. And that's really a hard thing, but it's the truth. And in Philippians 4, Paul says this same thing. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, there's a peace that can only come from God. It's not going to come from our own willpower. It's not going to come from just, I'm going to believe this more and more. It can only come from God. And Paul says that we are need to pray about this. It needs to be a, a comprehensive prayer of thanksgiving and of acknowledging who God is and just honestly saying to him, this I don't understand, and then allowing the gentle whisper of God to speak into our lives and to bring in that peace. So we have peace with God. We can have peace towards God also. But oftentimes, much of our struggle when it comes to peace is with one another. Oftentimes, it's with family or friends or neighbors or coworkers or whatever. And, and that's the place that causes the greatest place to struggle with this idea of peace. And here's sort of the truth of all of this. It's that there are consequences to unforgiveness. Oftentimes, we, we don't realize that when we don't forgive others, what's really happening is that it's like a burden is being placed on us. And we just keep holding on to things. But there are definite uh, consequences to uh, unforgiveness. The first is this. If we're unwilling or unable to forgive others, then we will not fully experience the forgiveness of God. Now, this is a really hard truth, but it's the truth of that parable that Jesus tells. It's the truth that comes out at, right at the end of the Lord's Prayer, that if we are unable to forgive others, we will not fully experience the forgiveness of God in our own lives. It's a hard, hard truth. The second truth is this, is that... Um, Unforgiveness creates a block between us and the Lord. We can miss out on God's leading in our life. We can miss out on God's blessing when we don't forgive others. It can create a block between us and God until it kind of is dealt with. And then obviously, there's a block between uh, us and that other person. There's a brokenness in the relationship when we can't forgive other people. In Galatians 5, uh, I think Paul talks about this. And and the right after what we're going to read is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the, of the flesh, basically, is what he would say. 
But here's what he says in verse 19. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, now, if you look at this, um, and you can see it, is that it's, it's, these are all set apart. There's a groupings that happen in these, right? So the first grouping, is, and you can see this because there's semicolons set up. So sexual immorality, impurity, immorality, impurity, and debauchery, that's one group. Then the next group is idolatry and witchcraft, semicolon. And then the next group is hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. And I would say that that group there is what happens when there's unforgiveness. When we're unable to forgive one another, when we hold on to stuff, that, that's what happens. Hatred is built up. Discord happens. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy. When we're unwilling and unable to forgive, those are the qualities that get, become built up in our lives that it's the inability to forgive that creates this. And there is such a deep desire for people to experience forgiveness in their lives. Right? We so want to experience in our own lives when we've hurt somebody else. But how much is it when we can give forgiveness to others? Ernest Hemingway uh, wrote a short story called The Capital of the World. In it, he tells the story of a father and his teenage son who were estranged from one another. The son's name was Paco. He had wronged his father, and as a result of his shame, he had ran, run away from home. And the father searched all throughout Spain for his son, trying to find him to bring him home, but he could not find the boy. Finally, in the city of Madrid, as a last desperate attempt to find his son, the father placed an ad in the daily newspaper. It read, Paco. Meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon, Tuesday, all's forgiven, Papa. Puts the ad in the paper, waits a few days. On Tuesday, he goes to the Hotel Montana. And when he shows up there, he's astounded by what he sees. There are police people all around LA because over 800 young boys named Paco had shown up at the Hotel Montana. Each one of them had come to meet their respective father and find forgiveness. We all so desire to experience forgiveness in our lives. The people who have hurt you desire to experience forgiveness in their lives. So how do we live in peace with others? How do we be people of forgiveness and this type of grace? The first thing is this, and it's just kind of going recapping a little bit. We have to know and experience the peace of God, which is found in Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we have to experience that in our own lives. We have to know that peace that God gives us through the cross and through his grace and experience that in our lives first and foremost. The second thing then is to experience peace in our own soul through prayer of growing in our trust of God and who he is of bringing the, the, the struggles to him, bringing the times where I don't know how I can do this, Lord. I, 
I don't understand why this is happening, but let me to experience your peace in my life. And so when we can experience God's peace this way, and we can also experience God's peace in our own heart with what the circumstances are, then we can better give peace to others. And then in Ephesians 4, I think Paul gives us a kind of a step, not step by step, but it's sort of a recipe of how this works. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so this is a little bit like, um, I think like what Linda had said, that we were desiring to become more like Jesus. That's the desire of us as followers of his. And so one of the things we have to ask is that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in us to where we become humble and gentle with people. That we would, be, we would truly be humble and gentle with those who have wronged us and with who we have wronged also. To be, to be patient with people. One of the commentators that I read um, wrote on this section saying this, that we are to bear with one another in love. It is in the sphere of the love that God, the Holy Spirit, produces in the heart of a yielded believer that we are to be patient with each other as misunderstandings arrive, as arise, as cutting words are said, as unkind actions are done. The love shown at Calvary was a forgiving love Ours should be the same, that it, that it truly should be a forgiving love that we give to others. And Paul does say, make every effort to keep the unity, that it takes effort to do this, that it takes us taking a step towards others that we've hurt, take, taking a step towards others that have hurt us. It will mean that there will need to be confession, there will need to be repentance, and I, and I truly realize this, that um, this is, many of you have hurts that are so much deeper than, than some girl breaking up with me 30 years ago that I still hold on to, obviously. But, um, <laughs> but so many of you have deep, deep hurts that have come through childhood or come through um, abuse or abandonment or whatever. And I realize that this is not an easy thing to offer grace to offer forgiveness, to try to experience peace in those relationships. But I really do believe it begins with us first experiencing God's peace in our own life, and then through prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit to experience the peace in our own souls, but then allowing God to make us people that are humble and gentle, but willing to make that step, that effort, towards creating peace in relationships. That this truly, truly is what God desires us to do. In John 14, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, actually, on the night before he would go to the cross for us, he says this to his disciples. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. 
that Jesus truly does desire to give us peace. He truly does desire that we would experience peace with God the Father and God in our own souls, but he also desires we would experience peace with one another. Is his greatest desire. So as we move into taking communion together, I um, hope that you will think about this. Is there a relationship? Is there a relationship that's broken right now? Is there a place where you don't, you're not experiencing peace either in your own soul or with others? But to bring that before the Lord. And even maybe in this time of communion that you would take this to the Lord, take it to the cross and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I'm not sure what to do, but I'm laying this before you and I'm going to ask you, Lord, to lead me, to guide me, to give me the courage to take whatever step I need to take, not not knowing what the outcome might be. But Lord, I really desire to be a man or a woman of peace. And I so desire to experience that peace in my own life. So maybe as you come forward to take communion, maybe that's the prayer. As you take the bread and you put it in the juice and and you eat it, that you would truly would experience the peace of God in your life. To uh, prepare us for um, communion, we're going to say this prayer of confession together. We did this last time. We did this also. So the words will be up on the screen, and, and we'll just say this together, and then I'll lead us into a time of communion. So uh, join me with saying this. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Too often we forget to love ourselves as you have first loved us. Too often we turn away from pain and injustice instead of rebuking the powers of this world as you gave us the authority to do. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. In the power of Jesus' name, Root out and bind all evil, sin and death, both in our own lives and in our common connected body. Forgive us, restore in us the joy of our salvation. Renew in us a right spirit that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of Jesus' name. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had a meal with his friends. At the end of the meal, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, uh, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. The same way he poured the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood which is shed for you. Take and drink. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you, you remember me. We remember Jesus. We remember that he went to the cross for our sins and that we truly can experience uh, forgiveness, grace, and peace. So as the uh, elders who are going to help serve communion make their way forward, um, let me pray for us. So Lord, um, 
I pray that, uh, I pray that you would uh, meet us here today. I pray, Lord, that as, um, as we come forward and as we um, take the bread, as we put it in the juice and as we eat it, we would be reminded of the fact that we now stand in grace and help us to be men and women who then give grace to others. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.